This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. We wanted to tell you about one of our favorite podcasts about writing, Writing Excuses. This is a short-form weekly podcast on the craft and business of writing, and it's hosted by our friend and former guest of the show, the writer Mary Robinette Cowell, and five other writers and publishers, Dan Wells, Howard Taylor, Aaron Roberts, and Don Juan Song. Each week since 2008, this podcast has shared advice, stories, and homework assignments designed to help you keep writing. And as part of a special treat to our listeners this November, NaNoWriMo season, Writing Excuses will have five episodes that focus on the novel writing process. They'll talk about inciting incidents, multi-thread plots, and the three-quarters problem, in addition to emotional resolution, among dozens of other things. So give it a listen, Writing Excuses. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. Hello, word slingers, word sprinters, word warriors, and word worshippers. I'm Grant Faulkner, Executive Director of National Novel Writing Month, aka NanoRimo, which is happening now. And if you don't know what NanoRimo is, it's it's the world's largest writing event. In short, about 300,000 people sign up to write 50,000 words in 30 days in the month of November. So if you do the math, that's 1,667 words a day. Totally doable, but difficult. And then uh, we also have 100,000 kids and teens take part in our Young Writers program. So that is uh, really huge as well. And I'm here with my co-host, Brooke Warner, who, and it's amazing, actually, that we're, we're here because <laughs> we're actually both writing and working and, and raising families and walking dogs. Uh, so there's a lot going on. And it's amazing that we're doing, you know, anything beyond brewing extra pots of coffee and asking our loved ones not to bother us. So, Brooke. I always say that NaNoWriMo is one part writing boot camp because you have to hone your discipline and show up to write every day and one part rollicking writing party because we, we have all sorts of community support, both in person and online. So with that in mind, how is it going for you this month? Yeah, Grant. I mean, thanks to my accountability group, it is going awesome. I am feeling so happy to have this routine in place because it gives me two built-in days, and that has not been the case with previous NaNoWriMo's. Uh, and I've also been managing another couple of days in addition to that, and so far writing about 7,500 words a week, which for me is amazing. Uh, so how about you, Grant? Are you writing every day? And uh, as executive director of NaNoWriMo, do you have to write every day? Yeah, I used to joke that I had the best uh, job requirement. I had to write a novel every year. That actually <laughs> technically wasn't a job requirement. But I f yeah, I, f I feel like I've always felt like like it is, though, you know, and, and I, I feel like I have to try to write 50,000 words, just like every other soul with a crowded life and an imagination that yearns to burst on the page. You know, I'm just like everybody else. 
And to tell you the truth, this month has definitely been challenging with work and with a couple of other writing projects in the pipeline. So I'm lagging a little bit behind right now. I'm about at about 50% of the word count I should be at. So that's a little bit intimidating, but I'm not giving up. And I have to say that a lot of people do give up when they get behind, uh, but we don't want the 50,000 word count goal to discourage people, but to encourage them. So I'm still aiming for 50,000. And, and yes, I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving or cooking. So I'm looking to that weekend for some major catch up. But that said, if you're you know not like me to have a, a free four days later this month, I, I encourage you to, to recalibrate your goal if necessary. You know, like if you've only written 5,000 words so far, shoot for 10 or 15,000 by the end of the month, because the point is to keep writing and to make creativity part of your life. And I say that because we're, we're nearing the middle of the month as well, which is also, you know, many people call it the muddy middle and many get stuck in the muddiness of their, their novels. And, and just so beginning writers know every novel has a muddy middle or muddy middles, plural. So, so don't despair. You have to face obstacles to get to the moments of brilliance and I'm curious what your biggest challenge has been so far, Brooke, speaking of challenges. Have you thought about giving up and, and do you have any tips to keep going? Well, for me, the biggest challenge from the outset was just the notion of writing every day. So honestly, I can't. Uh, like you said, I, I think for me, recalibrating was sort of the way that I was going to get through the month. And so that has been really good for me because I'm still writing so much, but not necessarily every single day. Uh, I do want to do it for Thanksgiving week, though. So I'm, I have it set aside that I'm going to write every single day of Thanksgiving week, not just Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm holding out for that. Uh, so I'm doing the four days a week. And that's been great because it's double what I had been doing. It's been effective. And I've made that goal all month, which is great. And this idea that writing begets writing is true. <laughs> of course, mm -hmm. the more you're in your writing, the more you want to come back to it. Uh, and one of the best things about NaNoWriMo is that you have to focus on moving forward instead of lingering or going back to clean up your words. And that is not easy for me. So that's probably been my greatest challenge, but it's also been the most freeing because I'm definitely a writer who tends to perseverate and then get lost in the editing process when I really need to just keep going on my first draft. Mm -hmm. And so that's also led to some wonderful surprises, and uh, which is always an exciting thing about NaNoWriMo and the sort of uh, continuity and, and fast writing. And I'm curious, Grant, if you've experienced that. Have you had some great surprises so far? Yeah, I think being surprised by your writing is essentially the number one reason I like to do NaNoWriMo. I, I say that because I often characterize NaNoWriMo as improvisational writing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a kissing cousin to improv acting, essentially. And the number one principle of improv acting is to say yes and to whatever happens on stage. And because you have to write so much in NaNoWriMo and focus on the moment, on going forward, as you said, I, I love drafting a novel with yes and in mind. And that makes everything essentially an experiment. So I find gems. I also find things that are definitely not gems. <laughs> I find rotten scenes and hackneyed plot points, but that's what creativity is. You know, it's, it's about leaping into ideas to test them and to experience them. And I have to remind everybody, including myself, that every draft is a rough draft and, and every writer, no matter if it's Shakespeare or Toni Morrison or Margaret Atwood has written first drafts that are, you know, far from publication and they're very rough and then they revise a lot and, and then they're edited. So, so we just need to remember that our favorite books also went through the same process we're going through this month. So, but that said, as I mentioned, it can be really tough to write a messy first draft, especially as a perfectionist professional. So Brooke, as a professional writer, do you have trouble writing crap? 
Oh my gosh, Grant. Assuming, I guess I'm making an assumption. <laughs> I'm making an assumption that you're writing crap. I'm sorry. But I was going to say, maybe that is the problem <laughs> that I am not identified until just this moment. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's say that some of your writing might lean towards crap in some moments. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> I, I do. You know, and I, I hadn't exactly named it as such until just this moment. I have trouble writing crap. I am going to come out and say it and uh, admit to it. You know, I do, of course, have this fantasy that the words are going to flow out onto my word document, just being lovely and poetic, this beautiful prose. Uh, and more than a professional writer, I think that's the result of being such an avid reader. I'm sure you can relate to this. You know, when you read a lot, you imagine your words are going to sound like other people's words. And of course, they don't. Uh, and it takes massive time to create scenes and to make prose sing. So yeah, I'm trying to be kind to myself uh, and and let it be okay to have some crappy writing from time to time. Uh, Grant, you know, you're a busy writer and you're busy running this event itself. And so I'd love to hear how you are making time for your writing because I've heard you say that management is the number one thing, uh, time management, excuse me, is the number one thing that leads to success in this event called NaNoWriMo. And for me, the extra writing has been like adding an additional workout to my day. <laughs> like it's a heavy lift already, right? And then you put it on top of a busy time. So how are you finding the necessary time for your novel, especially during this season? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I say that about time because I think a lot of people sign up and they're super exuberant and excited about NaNoWriMo, which is really good, but they don't pause to think about how they're going to open up, you know, one or two hours of time in their life to write every day because that's, it takes me about two hours to write 1700 words and, and time just doesn't happen to you. You know, you have to make time happen for your priorities. And in some ways, time management is a definition of what is important to you and what, what is your priority. So I have to like, you know, I, I go on a time hunt and I, I kind of like track my time, how I spend it and really think about how, what I could give up for the month of November. Um, but I also kind of rethink time. And there's this phrase, time confetti, that I like a lot, which means that you're you're taking advantage of all these small moments of time in your life. You know, like the, the five or 10 minutes you're waiting for your child to get out of school or, or a soccer game. And you can use those times to write, actually. Um, or you can, you can, you know, if you don't have much time during the, the week, you can uh, do marathon writing sessions on the weekend. I know a lot of people who do this. They'll write five or 10,000 words on a Saturday or a Sunday to catch up or get ahead. So, so I really believe, though, that even those of us who are really busy, we can make more time uh, than we think we can if we really look at our time and how we, how we spend it. And there's this old phrase um, that Chris Beatty included in his book, No Plot, No Problem. If you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. And that has happened in my writing life. I get more writing done since I have kids than I did beforehand. And time management is really about accountability in the end. And I think accountability does, it takes many forms. And one form that I want to talk about today is community. Uh, because writing with others can give you accountability and joy, and it can help you with time management because you have a designated time to meet with people and write with them. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with, with NaNoWriMo, we have volunteers called municipal liaisons, and there's literally almost a thousand of them around the world. So there will likely be one in a community near you. And they organize in-person write-ins, uh, what we call write-ins, writing gatherings. Uh, and those also increasingly take place on Zoom or have hybrid models. And basically, it is that premise of coming together to write, to make writing fun, and also to keep doing it, to encourage each other. NaNoWriMo is really built on encouragement. And what happens at these write-ins is that the, the municipal liaisons, they do many wonderful activities, but basically they do a lot of things like give a prompt, 
and they give you 15 or 20 minutes to write as much as you can to that prompt. That's where the improvisational writing comes in. And then you might report your word count and get a prize or share a favorite moment or a silly sentence. Um, anyway, it's really just about coming together to be creative. And if you can't do in-person write-ins, we have a bunch of, there's a bunch of things online on the NaNoWriMo site or in the communities that the municipal, online communities that the municipal liaisons manage, or you can follow on Twitter at NaNoWordSprints. And throughout the month of November, we have people running WordSprints on Twitter, so you can participate online, which is super fun too. And so, Brooke, I know that you are a lover of writing communities and activities, um, both online and in person. And so I'm curious to learn more about your accountability group and how community helps you write. Yeah, I mean, it's just been massive. I've talked about it on the show before. You know, I'm I'm so grateful to have, well, I mean, it was, I had the idea to have the accountability group and the fact that so many people joined me was was huge, right? So I think if I could do something like that, anyone could do something like that. It doesn't have to be a big group of people. It could be one or two, three other people. Uh, our group has already has a structure in place. You know, it kind of reminds me what you're saying, like these marathon sessions, most people in our two hour sessions are writing, you know, as many as 2000, sometimes more words than that during that time. So I feel like we kind of already have that going for us, which has been really cool. Uh, it's been fun for me to really take on some of these challenges myself, like on the days off, I've tried some writing prompts. And the reason that I've challenged myself to do that specifically is because it jogs memory. You know, like I always talk to my students about writing off your memoir, which you could say like write off of your novel as well, meaning something that has nothing to do with your novel or nothing mm -hmm. to do with your memoir. Because sometimes all of a sudden you're like, oh, that made me think of something I hadn't thought of before in, in memoir that might be a memory or something that you want to circle into for a novel. It might be a total plot point or a different character you hadn't even thought of. So I, I do think there's huge value to doing those writing prompts, even if you think that it has nothing to do with your book. So yeah, it's it's been awesome. The accountability is what it's all about for me. It's just <laughs> been a complete game changer. I clearly need it. Uh, but I wanted to also ask about writing rewards, because um, writing rewards feel to me like kind of a personal accountability. So how do those work? You know, have you done them? And then say more about the NaNoWriMo playlist. Yeah, it's interesting because like rewards definitely help motivate us, right? And I've heard of NaNoWriMo writers, you know, many different types of rewards. People might give themselves a massage or a spa weekend after completing a whole novel in November, or they might give themselves a special glass of wine after a day of writing. All good stuff. I love rewards. But I do want to remind people that there's th those external rewards aren't as rewarding as the implicit reward of your daily progress. And I say that because there have been psychological studies about this, that people get whatever, more dopamine spritzers in their head <laughs> when they're watching their bar chart go up with their accomplishments, which happens on the NaNoWriMo website if you track your, your word count. And I experienced that both on the NaNoWriMo website, but also I'm a walker. I try to write, walk 10,500 steps a day, and I love seeing that bar chart go to 10K and beyond. You know, that is my reward. I don't need chocolate bars or wine, which is nice on top of it, of course. But um, anyway, this is my, my, my point is, is, is that 
the the work is the reward itself and 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 that can be motivating so so to 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 see what kind of reward or experiment with what kind of reward structure you might need and then per the playlist um one thing i love about nanoramo is it is also a music festival and <laughs> many people uh make playlists uh on spotify for their novels or for particular characters or for particular settings and it helps them get into the mood of their writing i ha- happen to have this ex- exhaustive long marathon of what i call my writing playlist and i think it's like 60 hours of very moody writing music that i love so <laughs> So, you know, um, find the music that works for you. But I think music and writing go together. Oh, my God. 60 hours. That is incredible. You could sell that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Brooke, now that you're a NaNoWriMo veteran of sorts, uh, <laughs> what's your best advice to writers out there? I mean, I have to circle back to what's working for me, which I've already said is the accountability, because that's what it's been about for me each of the three times I've done NaNoWriMo. And this time, having the built-in community, the accountability group has just been an extra boost. I love it. Uh, and I was listening to a podcast recently with Esther Perel, and she was talking about accountability and how valuable it can be to do what she calls parallel play, basically, but it's parallel work. Uh, and she was saying that you can, you know, whether it's drink coffee together online, or you cook together, or guess what she said, write together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her point was that this online interaction that we have in our day to day on Zoom is super exhausting because our brains are longing to have some kind of neurochemical reaction that is, in fact, not possible to be triggered by online communication. But that if you do these things together, you know, like both parties having an experience together, that that, in fact, does simulate this experience that we're longing for of connection. So I thought that was so validating. And especially since she talked about the concept of writing together, being together in that way specifically. Uh, you know, and we've talked about this before, Grant, the magic that happens when you know you're in a community, you know, even if you're at your own computer working on your own pages. Uh, but you know, in my case, I can look up and see the faces of the group that I'm writing with. And even on the days that I don't have my group, that knowledge that other people are writing in November, it's tangible. You know, it's thousands and thousands of people writing, cheering you on, as you say, like, go online, check your progress. So yeah, I'm just engaged with all the magic this year, all the way. Uh, And so that's my advice. Feel it, let yourself be a part of it. Don't isolate or say no to the magic, but you know, find a way to meet it. That's, that's where I'm at and it feels great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how about you, Grant? You know, you said that so beautifully, just to feel it, to let yourself be a part of it. Don't isolate or say no to the magic, but rather find a way to meet it. So I think that's, that's essentially my advice too. Um, you know, we don't, we don't let ourselves fall wholly into many things. And, and I often quote Picasso who said, every child is born an artist. The challenge is how to be an artist as an adult. And it's so interesting to think about why that's a challenge. And, and I think essentially we let our creativity fall lower and lower on our to-do list until it's not even on the list, you know, as if, as if it's not important to, to honor that creative side. So, so my advice is the same as yours. Just revel in your creativity. Enjoy creativity for the sake of creativity. So that means, like, don't think of your aspirations. Don't think of even publishing your work or what's going to happen to it afterwards. Don't worry if, if it's good or original or marketable. I think every child is an artist because they actually don't think about those things. They just want to make something for the fun of it. So just make something and enjoy making it. We'll be right back after this short break with today's book trend.
Well, this week's trend is, you guessed it, writing in community. And Grant, I want to go back to that podcast that I mentioned during the show earlier with Esther Perel. Um, I'll put the show in the show notes so that other people can listen to it. You know, basically, she was validating everything about NaNoWriMo, not to do it alone, being accountable, making routine by finding other people with the same need as you. She was definitely speaking our language. But Grant, what struck me is how much people try to go it alone with their writing and it is obviously a solitary kind of endeavor. So even if accountability is helpful and we know it's helpful, I think writing with other people can tend to feel like uncomfortable for some people or foreign. People feel they should do it alone uh, or perhaps they struggle with things we've talked about on this show in the past, you know, with the idea of being a joiner, asking for help. And sometimes accountability costs money, like hiring a coach. So what do you think are the primary reasons people don't seek out accountability? Well, first, I'd like to get Esther Perel to do NaNoWriMo. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> yes, putting forth, I'm putting forth an invitation in case she's listening. Uh, but yeah, your question is a good one because I, I think there's a whole mythology and culture around the idea of the solitary writer. You know, I think of, of, of how many images in our culture there is of a writer, you know, sitting alone in an office and wadding up paper and throwing it at the trash can and drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, you know, all full of anguish and, and drive. And, and this goes for, for even writers who have participated in communities or aren't even formed by communities. I, I think it's just that when you write a book, it's easy to feel like you did it by yourself. Um, so I always ask writers to pause and step back and interrogate that notion because most likely we've all had help. We've all been created by others as much as we create ourselves. So I think the answer to your question also plays into our American culture. You know, we've got this, obviously, this type of cowboy individualistic culture that doesn't truly reckon with or recognize the support that a community provides. But Actually, again, I like to ask writers to look through literary history and look at their favorite writers. And most of them have been part of, of communities. And, you know, some of those communities are formal and some are informal. And I think of like the Inklings and the Harlem Renaissance or the Beatniks or Paris in the 20s. They're all about people coming together and feeding off of each other's creativity. So I guess... I blame American culture and writing culture in general for not recognizing or celebrating the existence and importance of communities. And, and I think the thing about taking part in communities is that a lot of the benefits just happen without you noticing it. You know, you, you absorb energy and advice, whatever it is. And sometimes you don't even know or think to attribute it to others. Yeah, well, and Esther Perel also says that doing things in groups, like I said earlier, this idea of parallel play, but parallel work in this place becomes a cohesive force in your life. Mm -hmm. So I just love that sentiment, the idea of a cohesive force, because this is how I feel about my group, uh, for sure. And I imagine that's how you feel about NaNoWriMo. Definitely. You know, that's that's uh, when I first did NaNoWriMo, I did do it alone. And I thought of it as, you know, through through that lens. Uh, but then I realized how how it's, it's more, I always describe it as it's more about the community than the event itself. The event brings people together and it becomes that cohesive force that you mentioned or that Esther Perel mentions. And and years ago, I, I read a study about how, you know, many people like to work in cafes and that they're actually more creative in cafes or when they're working alongside each other, even though they're they're not necessarily interacting. And, and, and that's because we pick up energy from others and literally as in electricity and it's actually one of the things i worry about in our zoom culture because you can get a degree of togetherness on zoom but you definitely get more in real life more of a cohesive force and and i think it is centered that, that that's a beautiful way to think about it in terms of like parallel play because that's important no matter how you go about it and that's at the heart of nanorimo 
I agree so much. And listeners, if you've been with us in past Novembers, you know that we always say it's not too late to jump on NaNoWriMo. If you're not doing it and you wish you had started on November 1st, start now. Take advantage of these final weeks. Uh, Find some folks to write with. Do some of the exercises that we talked about today. Have fun with it and see where it leads. There is community and accountability out there waiting for you, ready for the taking. Uh, Esther Perel said one more thing in that podcast that I love which is that when you write in community, even if online, you can lift your head and see all the people out there. Uh, If it's just one or two people, great. But she said, break the walls. (laughs) Mm. I love that. That's what resonated most for me, actually, break the walls, because we're in our own spaces, you know, our little Zoom squares, but we're seeking connection. And so we're striving to break the walls in in the work that we're doing in that way. You and me, Grant, are striving to break the walls every week with this, uh, with what we're bringing to the listeners and, and being in conversation with people. So we just want to thank everyone for being part of our community, part of our listenership. If you're writing and you want to share that, let us know about it. Ping us on social media if you have a success story or something that's working, uh, because we may just share it on the show. Yeah, that'd be lovely. I love the break the walls mantra. I always say we're gate crashers, but I like just breaking these these walls all around us. So, so happy writing, everybody. Keep up the good work. Remember, one sentence leads to a second sentence. One paragraph leads to a second paragraph. Trust in your powers to inspire yourself. And we'll see you next week. 